This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Uh, welcome to episode 101 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Um, if you have only just joined us, thank you so much. If you've been subscribing since day dot, uh, thank you so much for that as well. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. You can also join us on all social medias at Fight Disciples. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Come and have a little bit of a crack with us. Now, we have got the uh, wonderful world of technology playing a major part in today's show because, as it stands right now, I'm currently in London, Laughing Boys up in our normal studio up in, in Liverpool. What's weather like up there, Sam? Hello! I'm just looking out the window now. It's pretty glum. It's glum up north. You're going to love this story that I'm going to tell you. Go for it, man. <clears throat> so you're down in London mm. doing gr- a bit of work, yeah, doing a bit of graft this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a bit of graft this week, so I'm, I'm having to live in London, right? So I'm living yep. in a lovely area. Do you know when we went to the awards ceremony, we stayed in Hampstead? Lovely. That's where I'm staying this week, right? Nice. Now, I've done... Something's backfired on me a little bit, right? Because the lovely people of who I'm working for this week normally give me an allowance, a living allowance. So normally we'd get an hotel or something like that, right? Yeah. But the hotel that I normally use is fully booked, mate. So I thought to myself, what can I do here? Because the allowance is there. I need... What I'm going to do, I'm going to try and be a proper northerner and I'm going to try and make a few quid out of this allowance. <laughs> so I'm going to look for a cheaper um, alternative. That's what I'm going to look for. You're not, all- you're, not, you're not staying on the steps outside the uh, the Royal Theatre or something, are you? No, no, no. So I've gone for one of them uh, little Airbnbs, all right? So I thought to myself, a little Airbnb, it's cheaper than a hotel. I'll make myself a few quid. That'll be perfect. So anyway... I've got myself this Airbnb. I think I'm quids in. I've turned up last night. Marco, Eastern European fella, right? Nice. No, not nice at all, mate. Not nice at all. He wants me to be best bloody mate. He thinks I'm on holiday. I'm not on holiday. <laughs> I'm down in London to work, Marco. Basically, I'm using your house to sleep in, and then I'm going out and about doing my thing, and obviously coming into the studio to record stuff like this. Honestly, you should have seen his little face when I set off to come and record today. He goes... <laughs> You go, you go, you go, you go back to work, and I go, yeah, I'm going back to work. <laughs> you thought the boys had the day out. Yeah, he goes, you work last night, and I said yes. I said I'm going to go and work now, and he goes, oh, I thought, uh, I thought you maybe hang around t- today. Oh, you know, when you bring him in the studio, we could have got him on the show. Get to France, mate, right? <laughs> Get. To, I'm sleeping with one eye open, Nicholas. I don't know what what the blooming heck's going to happen. I'm here all week. I've only had one night of him. For, for all you know, Marco could have been on the. Ukrainian Olympic team alongside Lomachenko. We could be missing out on a world exclusive here. Maybe, mate. Maybe. Anyway, sleeping with one eye open. I've got myself a padlock for, for the door when I get back. <laughs> Flipping out little Marco. Oh, you go out? Yes. Marco, yeah, mate. We're not... Listen, thanks me, for... Me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, on tomorrow's show... Uh, <laughs> shall I get him in for the UFC show tomorrow? Definitely. Bring him Definitely. in. We'll do a bit of a grapple in the studio. Um, me and Nick have had a little bit of an idea, by the way, of which we would like your uh, feedback for, uh, and it's regarding alternate commentary for uh, any boxing that's on at the weekend. Now, this yeah, has yeah. all come about from, obviously, him getting lashed at the weekend on his Jack Daniels that I bought him for his birthday. That's right, and exactly. Then he, and then he makes his comments on what's going on, um, on on the TV. Now, basically, this has all come from watching social media and watching people that follow us slag off everything that's happening from the commentary positions on the TV. Now, I understand that people have their opinions of how fights are being portrayed and what have you, um, and they have different opinions to people that are being pundits or commentators and various things like that. Now, some of these people on the telly, okay, 
yes, they're a little bit biased towards their mates and they say stuff that we don't necessarily always agree with. For example, Bunsey saying that Gary Russell Jr. is next for Josh Warrington. Come on, okay, mate. Now. Let's get a grip, mate. Get Simmer. a grip. Simmer down. Steve, have a lie down, son. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so what we decided to, well, Nick's come up with this idea, right? He said to me at the weekend as we were conversing over our WhatsApp group, watching all these fights, he said, I'll tell you what to be wicked in the future. Right? We need to do an alternate commentary mm-hmm. for the fights that are on the telly. We'll do it via Facebook Live. We'll sit down. We'll have a few beers. We'll get a few pizzas in. We'll watch it and we'll give people an alternate look at the boxing. And I went, Nick, that's a wonderful idea, but you mentioned alcohol there, my friend, right? I am I am reading what you are writing in our social media WhatsApp group. If this went public, we would be shut down. Not one person would ever, ever come back on our show. You are brutal. When you've had a scoop, mate, you are absolutely <laughs> brutal. You are cutting. You've no filter. <laughs> exactly. That's what would make it so entertaining. The reason I, the reason I suggested it, and maybe we should just keep it to the beers, maybe not Jack Daniels' party, but we'll just keep it to the beers. Listen, the reason why I suggested it is this, because I'm watching BT on Saturday night. I'm watching the fights. Like We said it with BT's big launch as well. Like, you know, Big Ron and Richie Woodall, for me, that that's me BBC team. They're, they're the Olympic team. They're the guys that cover amateur boxing for me, and they've been doing it for years, and I like them in that hole. They, they fill that space brilliant. Seeing Big Ron, and Big Ron's a good mate of mine, as you know, Adam. I always go and say hello to Big Ron. We have a good chat. We've known each other for a while. Seeing Big Ron and his giant hands blocking the camera so you can't actually see the guy talking when he's ringside or picking a file up and chatting away while he's asking a question. Meanwhile, covering Ward and both Jazza Dickens' faces from the camera was a little bit mental. I've got to be honest with you. And then you've got co-commentary from Richie Woodall Jesus Christ man no offence to anyone from the black country but fucking hell show a bit of passion show a bit of passion man show a bit of insight you know he's just rambling on about shite and at one point they're talking about West Brom's game on Saturday and they're rapping away about how West Brom had gone on at the weekend against Chelsea and oh you know Chelsea are a great side there's a fucking British title fight on lad what the hell are you talking about <laughs> it's just it, it, it upset me because I just thought this is this we deserve better and not only that the fighters themselves deserve better as well you know that that uh, for me that was like right okay I yeah, want what you just to... done what you just done there that is your idea of alternate commentary that's what you want to do you just want to <laughs> slag people off on the TV <laughs> along with everybody else that's what you want to do you want to say what is he going on about he's talking out his ass that is your alternate commentary isn't it no no criticising the commentary team yeah well, well there's an element to that obviously. <laughs> there's an element to that because that's you know that's, that's passing comment listen I'm not the only one we were, we were on social media yeah and people, does it. We, everyone was talking about it going Christ oh my this commentary is terrible and then you go to Buncey at the side and you know and you just think it's just I don't know it just felt like it, it had its day and it Unfortunately, it kind of reminds me of BT Sports football coverage at times where you've got Michael Owen and Steve McManam. And Owen Argreaves. Don't give me Owen Argreaves. Owen Argreaves. And you're like, for fuck's sake. But meanwhile, you go over to Sky and you've got Callagher who's class and you've got Neville who's great and you've got real... They've got it. And over at Sky, the, the team's great, you know... Totally biased, but I think Dave Caldwell's fantastic on there. Tony Bellew's amazing on there. You know, we've got real good commentary teams over on Sky. I just think on BT, it's kind of like the football. It's badly lacking. They need a fresh injection. Or, if they don't want to do that, we should set up our own 
alternative comedy. Uh, com- comedy. Well, that's, what it, that's what it will Commentary be. Comedy, me fights. and you. Sat- Listen, I would love, I would love, even if we did it, go back now, if we did an alternative commentary for Liam Williams versus Liam Smith, because that was a great fight. It had everything, you know, right down to the fact the referees are complete and utter joke, to the fact that both these guys were getting away with murder, that it swung one way, then the other, then the controversial finish. It was brilliant. I would love to have had our commentary around that. So you fight. want you just want to do tell you how it is stuff. None of this bias, yeah. none of this political bias where you're connected to particular fighters and you've got to exactly. toe the line and you've got to say certain things. You just want to lay it down. I think listeners would would, would enjoy that. Right, I think listeners right. would enjoy some insight from us and going, you know, because... We, we had some insight with Jazza. We'd had him in the studio. We knew a bit about Ward and the family and everything else. So there was a real insight there. Then, obviously, the Josh Warrington, the main event against Kiko Martinez. You know, I thought the commentary then was incredibly biased towards Josh Warrington. Don't get me wrong. I think Josh was great and he deserved to win the fight ultimately. But it was so biased at times. Mm. And you just think, say it how it is, man. Don't talk shit. And then, obviously, <laughs> they go to Buncey at, 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 at that ringside was the best. afterwards. That was the best. And he drops the Gary Russell Jr. bomb, and you just think, man, are you are you crazy? Are you crazy? Have you not just watched what we've just watched? I think he'll beat him. I think he'll beat. I think he's the easiest one out of a lot of them. I think a lot of um, people say he's the best, but I think he'll beat him. Not a chance in hell. Not a chance in hell, mate. Listen, all right, that's up to them. If you're listening to the show right now, and you would watch the fights on mute. And have us in your ears via, I don't know, Facebook, Facebook Live or something. Facebook Live would be easy, wouldn't it, on Facebook? We yeah, just yeah, stream just it, we just chat away in the studio mm. while the fight's going. And then it should be, you know, it, it, the timing should be perfect. Well, if you look for it, let us know. At Fight yeah, Disciples yeah. on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. That's your decision, all right? If you want it, if there's a demand for it, we'll sit there and get lashed on Saturday night, slagging everybody off, no bother. <laughs> um, which kind of leads me on nicely to, um, you're going to hate this, because I know he's your mate, right? Mm-hmm. Frankie I have to talk about Frankie if we're going to be honest about stuff we've got to talk about him right yeah. let's go to the weighing before we go to the fight was super lightweight 140 pounds then it was remade um, at a catch weight then it was remade for welterweight and then the cheeky get weighs in at 149 pounds and doesn't give a shit about it he's like going oh yeah I've only just missed weight no you haven't you've missed it by technically 9 pounds mate yeah. you were originally supposed to be weighing at 140 then when he actually goes out there and fights he forgets to use his jab the thing that made him famous in the bloody amateurs where's he gone it was unreal, wasn't it? I even messaged you, didn't I, during the, during the actual fight? And I was like, someone put up a wanted poster, please. You did. Frankie you put Gavin's it on social jab. media. <laughs> Where's Frankie reward. Gavin's jab gone? Yeah, what reward <laughs> it found. Frankie's jab. Um, listen, you know, I've known Frankie for years, and he's one of the nicest guys, an absolute diamond. He, he just, he's got all the talent in the world, and at somewhere along the lines, or he's he, in his mind, he's he believes that talent is enough, and it's just not enough. You've got to be committed, you know, and um, listen, the only world gold medalist this country's ever had, world championships gold medalist, this guy is legit technically on his days phenomenal. The problem is his days are few and far between now because he's just not taking his career seriously enough. Mm. When, when, going into this fight, when they said the fight was initially going to be at light welterweight, we were over the moon. We are like, right, okay, that's Frankie back, proven to everyone he's committed. And then this complete debacle on the scales goes on a complete sham, and then a second-rate performance again. And you just got to... At some stage, Frankie's got to look at himself in the mirror and go, what do I want out of this? Do I, you know, am I playing at this? You know, what what does he hope to achieve from his professional boxing well, career? Well, what does the promoter do? What does Eddie do with him now? 
Well, he's, he's already burying him on cards anyway. He was I'd only, sack him off, man. The, the only reason Frankie got on TV at the weekend because it was Birmingham and he yeah. knew there would have been a good response for him. But the, he must, his fans must be dwindling now in Birmingham anyway because, you know, the AFI brothers have stepped to the fore now anyway. Well, hang on so a minute. Got a new target. So. Hang on a minute. Sam Eggington sold more... Oh, super Sam. Sam Eggington sold more tickets than uh, Cowie Fi. Super Sam Eggington. Honestly, when I grow up, I want to be Sam Eggington. <laughs> Area champion, British champion, Commonwealth champion, now European champion. This kid's not oh. bad for a journeyman, isn't he? He's your wet dream. He's your he, wet he dream. He literally is my wet dream. I absolutely adore the kid for that exact reason, that he's done it the way he's done it. Can and I just say something, though? Can I just say something? If we're yeah. going to talk about... You're probably going to disagree with me, right? If you're going to talk about daft shout-outs, because obviously Barry looks after Sam... Yeah. Over Eddie, he's, he's like his pet project. He's the what he, he picked him, didn't he, from them prize fighters? Right. So Barry gets on the mic and he goes, "Listen, mate, let's get out to Vegas. We're taking on Danny Garcia. Bring <laughs> him on. Love it. Little bit daft, mate. I'm going to be honest with you. Is he at that level? I don't know. Who cares? Look Who at cares? you. I knew you'd side with him. Who I knew, cares? I knew you'd side with it. Listen, you've got a kid there that turned pro. Just uh, because he'd lost his job as a forklift truck driver. Turn pro to make money, to yeah. put food on the table for his missus, for his kids, for his young family, whatever. That's the only reason why he turns professional boxing. And yet he found that he wanted it more than anybody else. He was willing to work harder than anybody else. He was willing to put to put his body on the line to get as much out of this sport as he could. And that, combined with the, fight, the fact that obviously his coaching team must be absolutely on point, because he's just getting better and better and better. And that win against Frankie Gavin propelled him to a new level. Then he goes and beats Paulie Malinaji, the former world champion. Now he's just won the European belt. Absolutely phenomenal. And I'm with Barry. Do I think he beats Danny Garcia for the world title? Of course I don't. I didn't think he'd beat Frankie Gavin. So, and I, and, you know, I, I had doubts whether I thought he could reach this level and win a European title. Yet he's stopping everybody as well. Not... Listen, if anyone has deserved a trip to Las Vegas to fight for a belt, to see his name up in lights, it's Sam Eggington. And I don't care whether he beats the world champion or not. It doesn't matter now. The fairy tale has come true. Now it's just about making some money for Sam and his family and seeing his name up in lights. Imagine his family going to Vegas. This is a kid that turned pro, remember, to put food on the table, nothing more, mm. to be fighting in Las Vegas for a world title. I'm with Barry, man. Let's make it happen. Please, let's make it happen. Well, I think he's using Danny Garcia as that gatekeeper fight because obviously he lost his belts, <laughs> didn't he, to, uh, to Yon Lad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, fair play, man. Fair play. Like you say, you love all that story of area, British, Commonwealth, European. Perfect. Go and get a world Perfect. title. Yeah, fair and play. you know what? You can argue now that... Who else in the welterweight division in the UK who has bypassed that route that is talking about well, you know, title belts and everything else? Eggington deserves it. Eggington has done it the old-fashioned way. Cracking knockout at weekend as well, exactly. isn't it? It's like, it's like this is what Tony Bellew told us when he was like when he was in the studio recently, and he was just like, "How do you know you're good enough for a world title belt if you're not the best in your area? If you're not the best in your city? If you're not the best in the country? If you're not the best in Europe? How do you then know you're ready for a world title belt? You don't. You can't know." The best way to do it is the way Sam's done it. You do it in stages. You mm. win it in stages. He's now the best welterweight in Europe. He deserves a world title shot. Fair play. Um, another kid that I'm getting excited about is Josh Pretty Boy Kelly, right? Two fights. He's a proper Adam Booth fighter. First time round, I thought he was just easing his way into the pro ranks where he would put on a bit of a lovely technical display. 
the weekend, mate, that was poetry. That knockout, it was serious timber stuff. He caught him on the button. See ya. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Looking dead exciting, this man. I'm going to start paying money to go and watch this kid fight. Yeah. I'd love to. He was one of them kids that you'd love to. I'd love to watch him spar. I'd love to watch him train. Mm. You know, I'd pay to watch him train because you can just tell by the way he moves, by how cool he is, by the he must. You can tell he hits really hard. He wastes nothing. He's obviously a student of the game. You know, honestly, I can I can see this kid going right to the very top as much as anything because Adam Booth's in his corner as well. And if his style. Match with Adam Booth's experience and knowledge as a coach. Certainly one of the guys who I rank as the the best coaches, certainly in this country. This kid, the world is his oyster. The world is his oyster. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be a superstar. Just gotta keep keep him busy now. Yeah, he's gonna be a superstar. The man that topped the bill, obviously, in Birmingham was Cal Yafai. I'm gonna be dead honest with you, mate. He would not have stopped Muranaka even if he had two cricket bats in his hand. How tough was Muranaka? Unbelievable. How tough was that Japanese warrior? Unreal. Unbelievable, incredible, absolutely incredible. And every penny of his wages in that fight, but and gave a bit back, mate. I he thought did. at times it was like going, "Hey, oh, what's what's going on here?" He's he come did. to spoil the party. Cal proved that he's got a good chin as well. I think that was something that he, he realised going into the fight, though, that he was going to have to prove he's got a good chin. I think mm. he realised that Moranaka was tough and was likely going to be in there to go the distance. So Cal will have a lot easier nights than this further on in his world title campaign. But you know, this is a a great performance. I actually think he's the real deal. I can't see anyone getting this kid out of there anytime soon. Can I just say something? He needs to address his ring walk. Yeah. What, what was the, that all about? Mate, Reggie and Bolly from X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> giving it the big in. What the fucking hell's that? Yeah, that was Come on. Listen, everybody's page, watched yeah. AJ do that Stormzy shit, right? And they're all getting, yeah. oh, we need a rapper. That's it. We watch Adrian Broner come in the ring with a rapper and Coleman is there and all this. That's the cool thing to do. No, mate. Not, no. Don't just just put the tunes on, yeah. Get your ass in the ring and get the fight done, yeah. Don't it get might. Reggie and Bolly in from the X Factor. It, it, it was a flashback to watching a uh, to watching Nas ring walk years ago, <laughs> and it was the night uh, I, I was in London, and it was the night it was one of his comeback fights, uh, and it was the night Shane Neary fought against Mickey Ward. But headlining that night was uh, Nazim, might have been against Bungu or something like that, and. Uh, he came in on a flying carpet, yeah. and as the carpet landed, Puff Daddy was waiting to rap and walk him to the ring. Now, I'd taken a gang of my mates down from from Liverpool. I don't know whether it was someone stagged him or birthday, but basically I was working ringside, but I got them a bunch of tickets, and we were going out in London afterwards, all that kind of palaver. And uh, I, I, after the fight, after the night ended, the press conference and all that, I went and found them in a bar, and they're all in hysterics, rolling around everywhere, laughing. I was like, well, you're always laughing at. And one of my mates, Jay, who thinks he's hilarious anyway, apparently, while Puff Daddy was standing waiting for Naz's carpet to land, Jay was two feet away from him screaming in his ear, Puffy, I've had your ma, lad, I've had your ma. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you can't take them anywhere, can you? But yeah, yeah, that's so uh, that's that's uh, that's uh, yeah. Rappers, anyone who has rappers walking to the ring is a complete no, no, definitely not. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store. On the other channel, BT, uh, there's a little bit of controversy with the referee Howard Foster. He must have had somewhere else to be, mustn't he? Sutcliffe versus Leather. I thought he stopped that a bit prematurely, and then Nicola Adams against Salazar. I think he stopped that prematurely because let's be straight. I've said on this show many, many times. Nicola Adams couldn't knock out a fart. There's no way that she's stopping anybody. 
but she's managed to get herself a stop. Okay, there was added pressure to that particular stoppage, and therefore people will make the argument where she was piling on the pressure, and yes, it warranted a stoppage. Personally, I didn't see it like that. Yeah. Um, and I definitely didn't see it where in Sutcliffe Leather, where uh, he, uh, he st- I personally think he stopped that prematurely. How did you see it? Um, the Nicola Adams thing, yeah, you know, it is what it is, whatever. Um, <laughs> Good analysis. That's what we, that's what you're going to get with your alternate commentary. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Female super flyweights, who cares? Um, in, t- in terms of Leather versus Sutcliffe, yeah. Like, I tipped Sutcliffe to win this fight going in. His only previous loss was a, a European title fight. I thought he had, he had a bit more grit about him, and I think he'd eventually walk Leather down. But credit to Leather. I thought he teed off great. I thought he landed some real big shots and had Sutcliffe wobbling. And to be honest with you, a split second before Foster jumped in, I was like, oh, come on, ref. Ah, were you? Ah, so okay. For, I, I kind of thought, well, he's just caught, he caught him again there. And he, he caught him with like three or four big shots throughout that round. And it, okay, he never followed up straight away. But I think Sutcliffe was hurt. I think Foster had already had a good look at him in the eyes before he let the fight continue. And then when he went inside, he kind of had a little bit of a gunshot. He caught him right across the jaw with a right hand again. But I think it was more the manner of the shot than anything else. It, it slipped right across his jaw and then right over his shoulder. But his jaw went with it. So it looked like an incre- like a proper Rocky Rocky Apollo Creed style punch, <laughs> where the punch goes past the head and then the jaw and the spit comes right behind it. That was the kind of shot that it was, and I think that's what's made Howard jump in. Listen, I ain't gonna jump on Howard Foster because I think he's probably one of the best referees. Ah, that look got in at this you! Country. You got your favourites, you. You like the WBA, no, you, aren't you? I, I, I kind of I think Howard's not a bad ref. He really isn't. You know, I, I can see the arguments afterwards. Probably was a little bit early. But, you know, I, I certainly wasn't jumping up and down screaming about it. This was not a Terry O'Connor performance by a long shot of, <laughs> and, of the imagination. It. I wondered how long it would be before you mentioned his name. Um, listen, uh, Jazz is on that card as well, which we speak about on our Radio City talk show. Go and have a little bit of a nosy. We also talk about Paul Smith Jr. getting a world title shot on there. It's all available on our website, fightdisciples.com. That um, Howard Foster performance came, obviously, on the card of Josh Warrington, Kiko Martinez. And as we said last week, as I was just watching the fight, I thought to myself, do you know something? We said everything we needed to say about Josh Warrington on last week's show. He couldn't break an egg, the kid. It's a shame because, one, I think he's technically very, very good. Two, he's got an unbelievable fan base. Unbelievable. I mean, look at it. He sold that gaff out on his own at the weekend. Unbelievable. But he just doesn't have the power, mate. He He just weren't there. And I personally thought... Kiko Martinez was very unlucky, mate. Yeah, me too. Yeah. If that fight's anywhere else, I think we might get a different decision. Yeah, again, I I, I actually tipped Martinez, as you know, going into that fight. I thought he'd uh, I thought he'd be, he'd be able to walk through Josh Warrington, and at times he did. I think it was just the fact that Warrington was so fit, and it was and he was certainly at home and roared on, and I think he was able just to reach that extra mile. You know, I I, I kind of got to the end of the fight, and I could see Martinez winning the fight, but with the location being where it was and the occasion that it was, I had no, you know, I had no disappointment really. I wasn't, I wasn't upset by the fact that Warrington got the decision. Um, I think at this stage in his career as well, he, he kind of deser- deserves that decision and deserves the opportunity to move forward. I think Martinez now is that it's tough on him because he's lost against really good guys. But I think Martinez now needs to have a little look and see where he's going, where is Warrington being such a young lad with such a big following. Hopefully this is just the beginning of his journey. The problem for me is how 
further forward can this journey go now? Hmm. He's basically beat Kiko Martin as a former world champion, but basically a guy who's a gatekeeper I think to that's the, the featherweight belt. I think that's the level, mate. He ain't going further. The he problem ain't. is, who, who does he beat? Which world champion at featherweight can Josh Warrington beat? Because He doesn't. You know, Joey Diaz, Lee Selby, you know, Carl Frampton, Santa Cruz, Garrett. Scott Quigg. I'm sorry, all these guys are just... just would just walk through him, in my opinion. Gary Russell Jr., that Bunsey's calling out on behalf of uh, Frank at the, at the end of the fight. I'm thinking, are you on smack? Yeah. Gary Russell Jr. is probably the best in that division. You know, he is. He's he's real, and he's fighting this weekend, randomly enough, of which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, no, I just don't think it. And it's all it is is the power thing. He yeah. is technically very, very good. And if he was fighting against a kid that didn't have any juice, then you'd probably give him half a chance. But there's a lot of killers in the in these divisions, mate, and he doesn't have the equaliser, sadly. No, to go to the next level, to become a world champion, a legit world champion, and to you know to have any kind of a career, you've got to be able to whack. You know, I think he proved it against Martinez that he's got a great chin as well. We, I think we've learned before that Josh Warrington's got a good chin and he can and he can certainly take a punch. But the problem is he just can't give one. You know, and uh, it's, I know it's a term you like to use, pillow fists. I hate it myself. I think it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible way to describe a professional fighter that they've got pillow fists. But I think in this case, it, you're absolutely right. And uh, even those pillow fists, now. Where, where, those pillow fists would them? still put me to bed. Those pillow fists oh, yeah, would still yeah. put me to bed, mate. We're talking about professional fighters here, aren't we? So, but the problem is that that's it. You see, if you're Frank Warren now, which world champion are you looking at and thinking Warrington can beat? You know, they were talking about Lee Selby before the fight. They were saying that they're going to kind of go down the IBF route and chase Lee Selby. Mm. I'm sorry. Lee Selby may not be the biggest puncher in the world, but, you know, for me, the problem is because Warrington can't punch at all, these guys, the likes of Selby, who isn't, uh, granted, isn't the biggest puncher in the world himself, but because he knows there's no threat coming back the other way, Selby can put it at a has got the arsenal to to outwork Warrington all day every day I'm afraid and he would rack up for me racks up a big points decision meanwhile the other guys in the weight division Gary Russell Jr the the Leo Santa Cruz and stuff there's just power there's power there that Warrington can't match this is the Fight Disciples podcast subscribe now via the iTunes store Uh, now before we get stuck into what's coming up this weekend coming there's a few uh, stories in the world of boxing that have caught my eye that I think we just need to touch upon Uh, Saturday 8th of July now confirmed Billy Joe Saunders versus Mini Mike Tyson at Van Tilkert Sidzi. It's for the WBO middleweight nice. crown. Now, Easy for you to say. Mm, um, again, I need to bring this up for me and you because we have conversations with Frank's team, we have conversations with Eddie's team, and we then just get on the podcast and just tell everybody what's going on. That particular fight, we've been talking about it for about two or three weeks, mate. So obviously it wasn't confirmed when we had this discussion. They've now only just confirmed that that fight is happening. We need to obviously start justifying and clarifying with who we're speaking to what can we talk about? What can't we talk about? We've been telling people that nah, things are going on. let's just crack on. Let's just crack on as we are and let people know how it is. There you go. Um, so that fight's confirmed, which we told you about three weeks ago, but the actual promoter only confirmed it on Monday. So there you go. Um, also, hopefully on that card, we will see Tyson Fury, but there's still no verdict yet on his license. When we've got more information, keep an eye on our social media at Fight Disciples uh, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We will uh, give you... Uh, the information when we get it simple as that uh, which we'll probably get two weeks in advance of it actually coming out because that's the way that we're rolling at this moment in time um, speaking of which this kind of leads me on nicely to all the Callum Smith stuff because mm-hmm. last week you were coughing under your breath I think we've been doing this for about six weeks now telling everybody that Callum Smith will be fighting James DeGale because he's going to not bother with his WBC um, mandatory challenge 
over in Michigan, he's going to take an opportunity to fight in the UK against the IBF champion James DeGale. Now, every man and his dog that is connected to this has told us that. Yeah, that's what we've been told. We've been telling you that because we've been told that ourselves. So I've been doing a bit of digging to find out why are people not announcing this? If it's done and we know that terms have been agreed for it, why is it not being announced? So I've done some digging and I found a little bit more information about uh, which might lead us to the reasons as to why it's not in the public domain as of yet. Okay. Um, the IBF have mandated the interim winner of this yep. weekend's fight between Andre Durrell and uh, Jose Uzkategui. Now, Uzkategui is the mandatory challenger. Yep. And he was supposed to fight James DeGale off the back of the Badu Jack fight, okay? Now, James DeGale has been granted a leave of absence, I think that's the best way of putting it, after he bust his eardrum and obviously lost his teeth in that particular fight. So he's been allowed, um, on medical grounds, a little bit of time off as the boy. Hence, them issuing an interim IBF belt. You know that they love belts. Anything yeah. that's... Sang- we were go. talking about sanctioning for fun before, weren't we? Anything that needs a few quid in there. No worries, let's get another belt out there because that'll obviously sell a few tickets. Uh, so that's what they've done. Andre Durrell, Jose Uzicategui are fighting for the IBF super middleweight interim title. Yeah. That's happening this weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute. However, they have already mandated De Gale now to stay... Well, you've got to fight the winner of that fight. That's what's yeah. going to happen. And that is where this now holds up because we know that the deal and the terms were agreed between Callum Smith and James DeGale. Um, however, it's looking like next up for James DeGale is going to be his mandatory, which then means, obviously, there's the issue of Callum Smith and the other Durrell, um, Anthony Durrell for the WBC crown because that obviously was lost by Eddie Hearn the first bid was lost uh, Durrell's team won that so that's going to be happening over in the States now we we're told originally that it's going to be happening in Michigan in the back of beyond where they don't have any running water why would Callum Smith want to do that that's why we were saying that he would obviously go down the route of taking the IBF uh, fight but now we're I'm being told that even though they are They've lost the purse bid. The, 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 the negotiating on venue. We know that the preferred choice from the Durrell camp would be to go to Michigan, but there's spanners and various things being thrown in. I'm being told, this is what I've been told this week, yep. September, New York. That's what I've been told. Well, that sounds like That sounds like it makes sense. That sounds like a better option and a better fight for all involved, I suppose. September, New York, that's what I've been told this week. There's a bit of uh, contract dispute which is holding up that situation. So even though terms, handshakes, everybody's on board with Callum Smith versus James DeGale, the IBF uh, have mandated now the winner of uh, Andre Durrell and his category of fight this weekend, and that will be James DeGale's next fight because he's had uh, a leave of absence on medical grounds. So that's where we're at at the moment, mate. I've no doubt there'll be a few more twists and turns in that. Uh, it's a bit of a shame because I fancied Callum Smith and, uh, and James DeGale, but New York's a better option than Michigan. Yeah, it sounds a bit late, though. The fact that it, it, you know, it's about September, that's a long time for to wait for a fight that was originally well, scheduled check this, to, check this, to be right. later this month, wasn't well, it? It was supposed well, to be Michigan at the end of this month. Callum Smith became the mandatory challenger for the WBC crown Nearly three years ago. Yeah. 900 days. 900 days ago it was, mate. Crazy. When he beat Rocky Fielding, is that? Uh, when he became the silver champ. I can't remember who he beat. It oh, was no, Christopher Rebrazi. When he became the silver champion, yeah. Yeah, Rebrazi, yeah. When he beat Rebrazi at the... Uh, the Echo That's Arena. over 900 days ago. That's crazy. 
That's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? And anyway, now we're obviously being... Well, I've been told this week that it's going to be September, maybe New York. That's probably going to change because we were told that it's going to be James DeGale in the UK at some point for the IBF crown. So I don't know what's going on. It must be incredibly frustrating for Callum Smith because I'm sure he just wants to get in the ring and get it done. I'm sure he just wants that world title belt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Speaking of frustration, now, do you hear Dillian White had to pull out of his fight this week? Against, oh, hang on, that's coincidental, isn't it? You know what I mean? There's a bit of chat yeah. for a world title against uh, Joseph Parker and then your uh, Marius Wack fight is off because you've got a, a mysterious foot injury. Hi, all right, Dill. We know what you're up to, sunshine. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll be remarkably fit when uh, the call comes in from Joey P, eh? There you mm. go, lad. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a shame that his fight is off because, again, you would class that as a gatekeeper fight. He comes through that and then you would be right in line for that world title. But maybe he knows something that we don't know. You know how this game works, Nick. Mm-hmm. I've no doubt that somebody's pockets are getting lined somewhere and maybe he's a little bit closer to a world title than we are led to believe at this moment in time. Maybe, anyway. Maybe. Um, what have you? Uh, what, what do you make of this, by the way? We've been talking about uh, Frampton and Selby, yeah? Let's get that fight on. That's the one that we want to see. Yeah. Um, Noise is coming out of the Frampton camp that he's thinking of stepping up in weight because yeah, heard that, yeah. Jazreel Corrales in Belfast for the super featherweight WBA uh, title in September. Frampton to become a three weight world champion. Check that out. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And uh, you know they've said before that they want to, they don't want to emulate Barry McGuigan's achievements. They want to eclipse them. You know they want Frampton to be the. Uh, the greatest boxer ever from uh, you know from that city, so from Belfast. So it's uh, that's one way to do it, isn't it? Is is jump through the weight divisions and get it done. You know the guy is a former super bantamweight world champion, then the featherweight world champion. Okay, he lost his last fight in the U rematch with Leo Santa Cruz, but you know maybe if you're chasing legacy like he is, they're chasing this kind of <clears throat> immortal title of the greatest mm. boxer in the history of of boxing for one of the most proudest cities for boxing as well then why bother sticking around the featherweight to win back an old belt when you've already ticked that box? Why not move up to super feather? So I think the preferred option would have been part three with Leo Santa Cruz, wouldn't it? The rubber match. Yeah. But um, he's obviously been, uh, he's sorted himself a fight out with Abner Mahrez. Great fight. That's going to be taking care of itself. The other ones that are around are obviously the IBF champion, Lee Selby. Yeah. It's lose-lose really for Frampton that. If he gets beat there, then, big time. you know, there's it, it puts a stopper on what you've just been talking about, that Hall of Fame legacy really. Yeah. Um, by stepping up in way don't get me wrong just real Corrales is a proper he's proper proper deal you know what I mean real Big deal um, but the opportunity to become the WBA super featherweight world champion and become a three weight world champion that especially in Belfast man to be able to do it there would that is just too tempting and I think um, there's no smoke without fire don't expect that not to be announced anytime soon this is the Fight Disciples podcast subscribe now via the iTunes store right let's look ahead to this weekend's fights there's only one channel that you need to keep your eyes on that is BT Sport there's only one fight that you really need to keep your eyes on uh, because the prodigy is in town Nick has written an absolute fantastic piece on our website go and have a bit of a read of it if you know how to read words fightdisciples.com um, he's of course referring to Floyd Mayweather's prodigy the boy that is taking over the mantle from the mean streets of Baltimore, Javonta the One Davis. I've been going crazy about this kid for a year. He obviously beat Jose Pedraza to become uh, uh, the world champion. He's taking on Liam Walsh. Liam Walsh is a great fighter, don't get me wrong. But for me, Javonta Davis is a different type of animal, mate, a completely different type of animal. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this this weekend. 
Yeah, we were super excited about him weren't we, before the Pedraza fight, and we were obviously he was 16 and 0 at the time with 15 knockouts, but we were concerned. Like everybody in the industry, it was like, is it too much too soon for a 22-year-old kid? You know, does he need to be going in against someone of Pedraza's quality, which we'd seen up close and personal after his performance against uh, Stephen Smith. That you know, heading into that fight, we knew Pedraza was the real deal. We knew he was one of the best super featherweights on the planet. But absolutely faultless performance by Javonta Davis. He absolutely He's only a kid, man. took He's a Pedraza baby. apart for about four rounds. And then Pedraza seemed to be coming into the fight, but you just felt that Davis was lulling him in and, and letting him open up. And that's exactly what he did. As soon as Pedraza had a little bit of confidence, started opening up, opening up a little bit more, he just finished him off with those uppercuts and mm. those hooks. You know, Javonta Davis is... You can see why that Mayweather's getting excited and... The, we're calling them the future of boxing out in America. And just if you missed that fight against Pedraza, do yourself a favour, go and Google it, watch it, fight, watch it back. It's on YouTube. I watched it myself at the weekend. Phenomenal performance. The kid, he only looks like a baby, but he's built, well, they call him the tank, don't they, his yeah. nickname. He's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> and uh, he is absolutely phenomenal. His hand speed is remarkable. And he has this incredible ability. He fights with his hands down by his sides. And as you'll see in that fight, and it's in all his previous fights as well, he lulls people in with these low hands to, to, to throw shots. And then as he does that, he just takes a tiny leans backwards, just slips out of range, and comes back with either an uppercut or a, or, a, or a hook. And nine times out of ten, it's followed by three or four shots after that as well. He's an explosive puncher. He throws punches in bunches, hateful punches. His record speaks for itself, 98% knockout ratio. This kid is phenomenal. Mm. I, I'm a fan of the Walsh brothers, you know. I think they've... I think they're good kids. They're good domestic operators. They, there's a European belt in there, I'm sure. This is a completely different level. I think Liam Walsh is kind of like a, a lamb to the slaughter this weekend. I, I fancy Javonta Davis. He said in the build-up to this that he's going to get Walsh out of there in six rounds. Six seems to be his lucky number in these in these big matchups. He seems to warm to people. He lets them in and then he, he finishes them off. And I'd be surprised if uh, if we hear the bell for the seventh round at the Copper Box on Saturday night. Uh, youngest world champion on the planet in London. If you are going, savour it, take it in. We're not going yeah. to be blessed with this all day no. long because he He's going to be in Vegas. He's going to be in Madison Square Garden. If you have a spare hour, couple of hours, get yourself down there. Get yourself a ticket. Go and have a watch of this because this is going to be one that you're going to talk about uh, for many years to come. One thing that I will say in Liam Walsh's favour, right? Um, both of these lads are undefeated. They can both punch because he's got a decent knockout rate as well, Liam Walsh. Yep. <laughs> um, some people would class as both untested, even though I would doubt that, that Javonta Davis, I mean, Pedraza's a superb operator, sensational jab, and he just dealt with him. All the different problems that... Pedraza threw his way. He absolutely schooled him. For a 21-year-old kid, it was unbelievable. Um, Both Southpaw, love that, so therefore you're not going to get a clash of feet. You'd imagine that these styles would gel quite nicely. Um, But the the only thing is that I would say is that Walsh has... Height reach on him because he's only he's only a little tank. Is uh, yes, he's only small, Javonta yeah. Davis. Yeah, but as he proved with Pedraza, who's much bigger than Liam Walsh, mm-hmm. size don't matter, mate. Don't matter how big you are. Doesn't matter how big your range is. I'll deal with you. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And the, and the the great thing from from Davis's corner as well is that Pedraza actually fought most of that fight Southpaw. Yeah, he's orthodox, but he fought most of their world title fights as a Southpaw. Well, obviously Liam Walsh. He is a southpaw, similar to, you know, same as uh, Javonta Davis. So that element's taken out as well. You know, that element of, of, of surprise that Liam Walsh may have had is gone because he dealt with Pedraza in that style as well. So 
you know, as as I say, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the Walsh brothers. I don't think they're world class operators, unfortunately, and I think that's going to be uh, brutally exposed this weekend. I think Javonta Davis is the future. He's going to dominate around this weight class. You you know, the the world's number one is in this weight class as well, but he ain't going to be around in this weight class for much longer. I think once Lomachenko goes up to lightweight to chase his own legacy, I think Javonta Davis will make this weight division a zone for many years to come. Mm. Uh, speaking of guys in and around this weight class, just one step down is Gary Russell Jr. He's the WBC champ at featherweight. He's taking on Oscar uh, Escondon this weekend. Um, by the way, you look at that, Gary Russell Jr., we love him, we think he's brilliant, and you brilliant. look at that on paper and you think to yourself, yeah, he'll smash Oscar Escondon some pieces. And he probably will. However, just a little bit of a curveball. Last week, you might remember us talking about uh, Robinson uh, Castellanos. He's the guy that beat uh, Eurokis Gamboa. Um, well, Oscar Escandon beat Castellanos last time out. Who beat yeah. Gamboa last time, all right? Okay. Um, Escandon's only uh, lost... He has got losses on his uh, on his record. Only uh, have come his way via split decision. So this is a competitive fight for Gary Russell Jr. But if you look at his record, he just blows kids away for fun, man. Let's get it. Let's get it on. This will be an absolute cracker. Yeah, it is an absolute cracker, you know. And um, it's a <clears throat> it's a different level from what we seen last weekend with Josh Warrington and Kiko Martinez. Unfortunately, these the, these are the guys, the true guys at the very top of this featherweight division. Uh, I'm. I'm Really rate Gary Russell Jr. I think he's an outstanding fighter, and his only loss, obviously, was against Lomachenko as well. Who's that's from, technically from not a, a loss from a different planet. You, you can't don't really have that. count that. Yeah. You don't count that no. yet. You don't, like you, 20... you don't get beat off it. You know, if you get beat off an alien, that's okay. It, it, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, if you get beat when you're in the Matrix, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it just means you should have had the blue pill instead of the red pill or that's whatever it. it is. So, that's it. So yeah, we don't count that one. Escandon, you're right, he will come to fight and he will certainly try and take the fight to Gary Russell Jr. I just think Russell Jr. for me is, you know, he's he's top 10, top 15, pound for pound right now. I think he's absolutely mustered, I think, on his day. He's the best operator in this weight class and uh, I expect another big performance from him. Uh, in Maryland on Saturday night. We mentioned a little earlier on, obviously, we got Andre Durrell, Jose Uzcategui, the yeah, IBF Super... Yeah, the undercard, sorry. Yeah, 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 for the super middleweight <laughs> interim title. Obviously, that's been mandated. Whoever wins that will be fighting James DeGale next. Durrell, obviously, this Durrell, is the man that lost his title to James DeGale. Um, he's lost to Froch previously, so he's got a bad re- reputation against British fighters. Um, Jose's got extremely heavy hands. Even though I would side with the boxer always in these type of fights, Andre Durrell, Jose's Katagui is heavy-handed, man, and if he lands, it will be good night. And a lot of people are saying that this could be his night to shine and get himself a shot at James DeGale. Yeah, he's a tough kid as well, you know, Venezuela, born in Venezuela, raised in Mexico, you know, it says it all. Don't get really. tougher than that. It really, do, it really <laughs> doesn't, you know, I think he's, uh, <clears throat> he's certainly, the fact that he punches so hard makes him a, a real viable threat, you know, I think if Darrell tries to look past him, uh, just because he's not necessarily a name in this weight class, yeah. I think he pays the price, but it's a massive opportunity for Jose because, you know, this is the name that he's been looking for as well. This is the opportunity that he's wanted because when you've got that much power, when you've got that much, you know, uh, ferocity in your fists, then you can beat anybody. It's all about confidence at this level. Mm. Uh, and if he can get a, a big win over Durrell, then, uh, you know, it really springboards in right into the mix with all the British super middleweights that we talked about earlier. The action doesn't stop there because Nick's second favourite fighter, even though he goes crazy about Lomachenko, Terence the Bud Crawford, yeah, who is our mate on Quality. social media. We love a bit of Terence. He's taking on Felix Diaz uh, for the WBC and WBO super lightweight crowns at Madison Square Garden in New York. Come on, yep. man. It's a school time. It's school time when Terence is in town. It will be poetry in motion, won't it? 
of course it will of course it will the guy is absolute mustard if you've never seen terence crawford fight live make sure you tune in and watch this performance from one of the best technicians on the planet it's perfectly laid out the weekend as well because you've got the the, the javonta davis performance in london then we go over to uh i think it's MGM National Harbour in Maryland, but it's kind of earlier because it's on HBO or Showtime, and then the Showtime event finishes, and then HBO go live <laughs> with Terence Crawford, so they couldn't have planned it any better, it's literally like, dink, dink, dink and we've got three genuinely world-class operators in action back-to-back, but for me the performance of the night, I will say while I want Javonta Davis to really turn it on for the British fans, Terence Crawford man, when you're talking about technicians Guys out there at the moment, for me, potentially number two or three fighter on the planet behind uh, behind the freak, behind Lomachenko. <laughs> Speaking of freaks, David Benavides is also in action this weekend. He's uh, the Mexican at super middleweight that everybody's saying uh, is the next big thing because he's knocking everybody out for fun. Yeah. He's not fighting anybody in particular major this weekend, but uh, if you do get an opportunity to have a nausea at him, please do so. Terence Crawford, uh, not only do we love him because he's a fantastic fighter, we love him because he survived getting shot in the head. So uh, we uh, we give him a high five for that as well. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. There you go. Thank you very much once again for listening to our little show. On tomorrow's show, where we look back at UFC 211, tons to talk about because it was absolutely unbelievable. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go and have a bit of a nosy of it before we talk about it tomorrow so you can get involved with that conversation I'm also going to be talking about uh, Nick uh, leading the EDL. Uh, we've got uh, we've got some exclusive footage of Nick Pete. Don't say that like it's factual. No, no. Out. I've got some exclusive footage of Nick <laughs> Pete with his uh, yeah, with St. George Cross flag draped around his head. Um, Unbelievable. Listen, more on this. That's on, not true. That's <laughs> not true. More on this on tomorrow's show. Make sure you're with us for it. Um, if you uh, don't subscribe, this is the first time you've ever come across us, uh, please go to our website, fightdisciples.com. There's a little button there that'll get you to iTunes and you can get on there and leave us a little five-star review if that takes your fancy. You can also follow us on social media at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Next week uh, on our boxing show, make sure you are here because it is fight week for Kel Brook. Kel Brook, Errol Spence Jr. It's mouth-watering. You've been waiting for it. We've been waiting for it. The world has been waiting for it. Not only is uh, that obviously on that card, the major world title fight, £147, but George Groves, Fedor Chudinov are going toe-to-toe as well in the super middleweight division for a version of the WBA <laughs> world title, which we've been talking about earlier on this week on our Radio City talk show. Go and have a check out of that as well. And on our Radio City talk show next week, Anthony Fowler will be joining us because he's making his professional debut on that card. Yeah. We love going, a stadium I'm going to head down there. I'm going to go down to Bramall Lane and looking forward to it. Well, I can't because I'm running the Manchester 10K the day after, so I need to get some sleep in at some point, mate. But you're mm-hmm. getting amongst it, aren't you? You're going to be I'm right on there. looking forward to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Love can't a, sta- wait. Loves a stadium a great fight. You. I think it's a great fight, that uh, Earl Spence. I think it's a real 50-50 trade fight, you know, and... Uh, mm. I think uh, it's, I'm, I'm glad to see Kells out in Fiora Ventura or something like Fort that. To, oh, mate, that warm Ventura. weather training. Warm weather training. He's, Love a bit of that, there. mate. But he looks great. I've seen some footage of him this week and he looks great, so I'm glad he's up for it because he knows this is a this is a real pick and fight. There you go. That's all next week. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.